Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Monkey tennis? This is great banter. Hot, 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 ha. Monkey tennis? Radical. Awesome. Mega. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm spinning plates here, mate, I'll be honest. Monkey tennis? There have been times when I've been more uh, rubbery than turgid. Monkey tennis? Tits bits. Tit, tit bits. Uh, yes, 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 and yes. It's just an idiom. You're an idiot. Ooh, that's mustard. Monkey tennis? Sustaining and maintaining our core listenership in an increasingly fragmented marketplace. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined as ever by Tom Dark. Ooh, I'd love to have it off with her. Nick Older. Come to Scotland. And Tom Stab. <laughs> Fuck off. So uh, we are coming to you live from uh, Bristol, England this time, uh, because it's actually the eve of our Mid-Evening Matters tour. Uh, but before we get onto that, we're going to rattle through some of your feedback from the last series and beyond, starting with Mr. Tom Dark. I also think it's worth telling listeners we're actually coming to you live from Adam's house in Brislington as well, which is uh, very exciting for all of us it's to be an, here. It's an upgrade on Jez, Jez's dungeon studio. It, it really is. <laughs> Jed is now crying in the corner. <laughs> Um, yeah, so let, I'll start with a bit of uh, some quick fire feedback just to warm us up for this. So uh, Sandy Quick on Facebook said about the tour, shouldn't it be early evening event because Alan likes alliteration? I thought, fair point, actually. We probably should have called it that. I mean, it could, true. Yeah, it, it could have been. <laughs> yeah, but it's most importantly, it been. it's not. It's mid-evening. Yeah, it's not. Unfortunately, Sandy, we've done all the flyers yeah. now. So, yeah. I mean, sorry. It's, it starts tonight, so we're just confirming yeah. it is too late to change the name. I yeah. think it's too late. Yeah, should okay. have sent it at Christmas, mate. <laughs> 
Uh, and we had some responses for our fantastic teletext-based chat oh, uh, in the Comic Relief specials. Um, Matt Johnson said his favourite page was 302 Football. Classic. Um, Peep, at Peep Show, wrong on Twitter, said Turn of the Worm was um, their favourite. I don't remember Turn no, of the Worm. No idea. I think this that like, was a is game. It, is this like the equivalent of the Dark Net? There's like a hidden teletext Dark page teletext. where worms rule supreme. We did uh, get a thumbs up from Jed, so um, yeah. Jed he, knows. He knows. Is it a, was it a game, teletext game? No, what was it? It was just a character on teletext that was really blocky. Well, I mean, everything on teletext. <laughs> was, it like, was it like the teletext equivalent of the Microsoft paperclip? Yeah, essentially. It was that, like their character that you... Warm to. Oh, hang, right. on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Pull the mic away. Jess has had more than enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we've been rude about his recording studio, so I was trying to give yeah, something yeah, back. Fair enough. Anyway, we're not really making this quick fire, are we? Uh, and Ross Carpenter also said definitely 302 for football, though Bamboozle was a caravan holiday treat for playing just after breakfast. CFAX 302 was straight on in the afternoon on a Saturday. I completely agree with Ross there. <laughs> that is very specific about it, Bamboozle. Only in a caravan, caravan holiday. Only on holiday and only just after breakfast. <laughs> if it's 10.30, you've missed your window. Exactly. Uh, we've also had some time own news sent to us over the last few months. David Stewart on Facebook got in touch to say uh, that the bar is reverting to its original shape. So good news there. What was well, the not, not good news for Alan? Surely, if he's going on another Toblerone binge, he wants it to be stripped back as much as possible. Well, hopefully, he's not his reformed addict now. So I think what was what was the change again? There was a long the, the gap between the, the two gap segments. was bigger. Yeah. There's basically yeah. le- less chalk for your money. Yep. And Daniel Smith also got in touch on Facebook, sending us a link that you can now get white chocolate Toblerone ice creams. And, so good to know. And regular chocolate Toblerone ice creams, which I have tried and are delicious. <laughs> Would eat. Yeah, I was going to say absolutely yeah. would eat and also would predict Alan would have tried. <laughs> and linking uh, from there, from Tabrone's um, chocolate-based question, Team Choc, which is at Ollie Choc Party, uh, sent us this. Can I shock you? I would genuinely like to make a chocolate replica of Alan Partridge and turn it into a popular TV show. Do you think it would get commissioned? Now, I feel like the, fir- the first sentence of this, I would genuinely like to make a chocolate replica of Alan Partridge and the next bit, and then turn it into a popular TV show. There <laughs> needs to be about a thousand words between those <laughs> to explain what the link is. You're just going to put a chocolate Alan on telly. And can, that's it, what, can you commission it? First, it will melt under the lights. I assume they mean the, a programme that tells the journey of making a chocolate replica of Alan. Uh, I, I, I mean, you, I feel like I that's think, a one-off program. I think you'd be lucky if UK Conquest commissioned that, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. Maybe Amazon Prime. Okay, so <laughs> I, I feel like we're leaning towards we're not commissioning. I think it's a no. I think it's a no. It's a no. What I did enjoy about this message, though, they did uh, use the emoji with the finger going on the bell, which I thought was quite good. That sounds quite bad. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. and the, we have, the commissioning bell, which we don't have here. Yeah. But we wouldn't have sounded it anyway. No, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Another food-based message for us from at Fugnanga. Fugnanga. Um, I am of the north and still recall the reverent silence around the dinner table as the noble Chucky egg was revealed from beneath its ceremonial silver cloche. Is it cloche? Is that how we say it? Yeah, we had to Google cloche. this before. Cloche is how you, it's basically a silver ceremonial presentation serving thing. tray. Yep. So that is somebody of the north uh, backing up Adam for it being a meal of the what, north. What I like is that this guy clearly thinks that we're all such uh, southern softies that we'll just accept that face value. Yeah, sounds about I have. right. Sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure there was a cloche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and going from chicken to egg. Um sorry, no, going from egg to chicken. Even. Which came first? Oh, funny you should say that. Uh, Lottie Lambshank has been in touch and she asks, how many times do you think Alan has asked for a Nando's black card? I don't even know if he reckons such a thing exists. 
I mean, we know he's a fan of Nando's. Yes. He's got the NES yeah. or I, NES. Don't you think, though, that the Nando's black card, if I understand it, was genu- genuinely, generally, normally handed out to sort of uh, urban celebrities, rappers yes. and so on? Yep. I think it would have gone under Alan's radar. I think yep. his mind would be blown mm, see, to know that it exists. I mean, look at the reaction he had when he got, what was it, a Burton's, Burton's gold, gold card? card. <laughs> and with that, I lost consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine the, the panic that would set in if he had the Nando's yeah. black card. He'd absolutely lose his mind. Would it, change, would it change his NES, Nando's efficiency system, or do you think he would take his time once it was free? I don't think it would change it. Well, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, was Lottie Lamshank the uh, person who messaged in with the Alan Partridge Monopoly game? Uh, I believe it was, and we've got more Monopoly uh, chat to come later. Always good to hear from you, Lottie Lamshank. Please do keep writing in. <laughs> uh, next up, I'm going to cover the comic relief uh, 90s portion that we yep. spoke about. So um, first up, we have a message from Sarah Lockyer. So she says, hi, love the podcast. Can't stress that Thanks, enough. Sarah. Thanks a lot. Yep. I've been perusing Alan's various contributions to Comic Relief over the years, waiting for the Partridge pod to start again. Will you be discussing these at any point in the future? There are quite a few. So obviously that email came before we released <laughs> these episodes, to be clear. Yeah, as I, as I was kind of reading that out, I was thinking, mm, well, have we? Yeah, so we can, we can say yes, we have. We have. Yeah. She also um, then goes on to basically say, uh, also see the link uh, for Comic Relief 1999, in which Alan gives out Carol's credit card details, date of birth as the 14th of April 1943. Again, I don't know if that's... Um, oh, and the mother's maiden name. I don't know if that's correct, but obviously that would have made her, made her pretty old. Uh, doesn't, doesn't that make her 75 this year? Well, I think that's kind of her point, that the fact that that's down as her date of birth is a bit mental and is either an error or a gag. I mean, it would also make her uh, dalliance with a fitness instructor even stranger because that, that age gap must be colossal. Okay, next up we have a message from Barbara Kirk. Always lovely to hear from you. Hey, Barbs. Uh, would Tony have been uh, another marriage in name only, as in trying to get a visa to stay in the country? Ooh. I mean, I, I, think, I think yes. I think that was the implication from Tony the Allen's wasn't it? Canadian wife, wasn't it, that, that yeah, we found yeah, out about? Yeah. So, yeah, quite possibly. So what, I think so we, we agree so with we're you saying there. Yes. We're saying yes. And then next up we have a message from Matthew Paris uh, says, hi gang, any reason why this sketch wasn't covered in your comic relief podcasts? And he sent us a link um, to a clip where Alan interviews Noel Gallagher with Simon Pegg. So um, the answer to your question, Matthew, the reason we didn't cover that is it's actually not from comic relief. It's actually from a fundraiser that I think was on Channel 4 called something like Live from the Lighthouse. So technically you are bang wrong. So what year was that? When, when was that? Uh, don't know. Okay, great. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it was kind of like, like, like I think it was a very, very similar period to the late nineties comic release where he did do the thing with Simon yeah. Pegg. It feels like right. quite a similar sort of thing. And it's one of those nuggets of uh, Alan Gold that doesn't fit into a neat category. So I expect at some point we may well do a partridge sort of flotsam and jetsam roundup, some kind of partridge mop up. Yeah, a partridge soup. <laughs> An idiotic broth. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Uh, so I'm going to be covering the Mid-Morning Matters Series 1 feedback. Um, we start with Benji, who is at Escape here, I assume, on Twitter. And he asks, is Mid-Morning Matters the best partridge thing that has ever been made? I'll open it to the group. What do we think? Well, it's hard to say because we're about to cover Series 2 on tour, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so we're only halfway through. Um, I... No. Wow. <laughs> going oh, wow. Straight in there. I mean, I agree, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's still it's, really strong. I mean, the, the pool is all really strong. So you're kind of like, there hasn't been any bad partridge. I think that's one of the things that we can probably all say. The standard is consistently very, very high. Um, yeah, it's not, it's definitely the most iconic. I think it's one of those that 
much like Beatles albums, uh, throughout your life, you'll have different favourites at different moments. Right now, I think Mid Morning Matters is among my favourites. It certainly hasn't always been. So, so what Beatles album is this, apart from the best of the Beatles? Well, I is think, this like the White Album I think, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think this is, you know, it's slightly it's slightly experimental. It's still got some hits, uh, but, you know, it makes you think. It requires you to do a bit more work. I'm it's, liking this, Adam. I'm liking this it, a lot. It, it's the White Album, whereas, uh, like, I'm Anna Partridge Series 2, very much Yellow, Sub- Yellow Submarine, I was going to say. <laughs> right. But, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really like Mid Morning Matters, but I think it's a very different beast from things like I'm Alan Partridge. But anyway, we've got a whole series to come on that. So, yeah, we'd probably leave that there. Uh, yep. And James Hart asks, uh, did Alan Partridge name his house Denton Abbey after Psychic Simon or is that just a coincidence? What do we think about that? Oh, I wonder if that's almost, is that the joke that he's named it after Simon, but he would never do that. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. But is that the joke? But then also we have speculated in the past that it was a play on Downton Abbey. Yeah, but Simon's surname is Denton. Yeah, that is correct. You've done your research. Uh, I suspect Psychic Simon's surname was the inspiration for a bit of wordplay that Alan came up with, and he liked the wordplay so much that he named the house after it, but he certainly didn't do it in tribute to No, Simon. God, no. That's, but, that's but, my but, best thing. But I, th- I think from looking... I, the one thing that I think we can be correct on is that it isn't directly referenced in any of the Partridge books or shows, that, like why he's named it that. No, mm-hmm. no, we don't have any more knowledge on that. Uh, James Hart also sent another message about a month later. Very, Greedy. Very keen to get in contact. Um, and he says that he was watching episode three ahead of the next Monkey Tennis podcast. And he's intrigued as to how Alan can sound so close, mic'd on the sofa during the inception bit while he's so far away from any microphone. Well, yes, James. I think this is something I may have raised in series one and, and spoiler alert, may, come, may raise again in yeah. series two. There yeah. are sections where they're nowhere near a microphone and yet they're still being picked up as if they were. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just... That's getting to Pedant's Corner, isn't well, it? Well, it's, it's absolutely getting I mean, to Pedant's if we're Corner. here for any reason, it's to get into Pedant's Corner. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yes, he's got a point, but equally you just have to kind of let it go because, yeah, there are so many points in both Series 1 and Series 2 where they're nowhere near a mic and it's just 
the conceit of how the programme works, isn't it? Yep. And finally, for the Mid Morning Matters Series 1 feedback, we have Dean Tonner, who asks simply, what is the best episode in Series 1? Yeah, because I think we... I'm pretty sure we said we were going to talk about that at the at the last episode and then we didn't great good work <laughs> us that's probably what happened so yeah. should we not bother now either yeah let's uh, give it a miss yeah, let's pass on so um <laughs> straight on to your mid-morning matters dvd differences um first up it's david council uh it says chaps a short note to let you know the original fosters webisodes are not exactly the same as the sky episodes oh. they contain additional material this is especially evident in the tax episode that's tax not tax uh <laughs> he said you see the scene where simon says shall i update your business card and Alan says if you would and then passes him a stack um, uh, because that, that was cut out because I remember thinking it was quite funny that they talk about him adding like whatever it is like web entrepreneur yeah, yeah, yeah. to his business card and then it just cuts to Simon <laughs> doing it one by one in biro <laughs> um, but there was actually a scene that connected those two things um, but I mean I guess we established the joke is funny and possibly funnier without that explanation there I think I guess possibly they had the hindsight of being able to Rewatch them and cut any things that they think didn't work or make any changes to the narrative in terms of editing or, or there was just a like basic that. contractual requirement to make it a, a you certain know, different length. or a certain length yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. suitable mm. for broadcast yeah well I've heard I've actually heard on, on the grapevine that the um, the writers didn't always consider the TV version to be kind of the best way mm. to consume it necessarily because um, perhaps because it involved these cuts mm. well and like you say you, you would have to make it a certain length so it's normally like 22 minutes or 28 minutes for a half hour slot on TV broadcast so yeah. yeah doing it online they can make it as long as they like and for series one I mean it was made with the web in mind wasn't it and then yeah. adapted for TV so yeah. that's not its natural home um, he also said in that episode the millionaire guy comes up with a load more ideas um, and yeah there's additional content on other episodes too so thanks Dave for that uh, Joe Rogers got in touch to say hey guys just heard your latest episode shadow and tax and you mentioned a section where simon is writing on alan's business cards um on the dvd you get two separate versions and on one of them you get the extra footage that we've just talked about so uh, they did uh, make sure that footage was included on the dvd version too dave wasn't lying or making it up then no, yeah. but basically joe has confirmed what dave has already told us <laughs> unless they're co-conspirers interesting point <laughs> uh he says love the show definitely need to extend your episodes with more quizzes even more nitpicking and inane chat well shouldn't thanks, be a joe. problem <laughs> uh, we're mailing you uh, the full unedited version of this episode which clocks in about 12 hours we're so sorry <laughs> Um, right, yes. Next bit of feedback we've got for uh, an email from Alex Cohen about Mr. Craig as featured in uh, Welcome to the Places of My Life. Um, Alex writes, Hi there, love the podcast. Thanks, Alex. I was just listening to Welcome to the Places of My Life one, and it occurred to me that the teacher he berates sounds like the same Mr. Craig chemistry teacher who Michael blows to bits with his Apache attack helicopter in I'm Alan Partridge. So his question to us is, did Michael move to Norwich as a child and attend the same school as Alan, or is Alan just standing up for a friend whose teacher has coincidentally retired from Newcastle to Norwich? Cheers. Uh, I think this is a coincidence slash oversight from the writers. I don't think it's the same teacher. No, I, 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 I agree. I, I don't think it's even meant to be the same teacher in any... It's just... There's no evidence to suggest Alan and Michael went to the same school. All of their t- chat is geared around, I think, them meeting in later life and having had a lot of life ex- different life experience. Yeah. Well, the whole narrative is that they befriended each other when they were at the uh, Linton Travel Tavern, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I just think it's basically two teachers who are assholes. 
<laughs> in, in summary, <laughs> that's the conclusion. Thanks, Tom. Sam Prince has got in touch to say, uh, hi there, I'm in the final stages of finishing my PhD and I'm trying to slip in some Alan Partridge. I know exactly what he means here. I slipped some Rage Against the Machine into my dissertation. Did you? Went down really? exceptionally. Yeah. What, your dissertation? Fuck, fuck you, you, I won't do what you tell, tell me. me by yeah. Nick Elder. Yeah, I failed. <laughs> um, you really str- did fail. Yeah. yeah. You can't just write that 500 times and count it as words. <laughs> I've been struggling to find something and um, wondered if you had any ideas. The citation will likely appear in the text as Partridge slash year, so it needs to be quite subtle and, if possible, somewhat related to the text. So something to do with gender, sociology, sport. Any ideas from any of the published books are welcome. Any ideas? Well, I've got nothing specific, but if you're looking for gender and sport, I mean, you're yeah. sport for choice, aren't you? I was going to say, there's a hugely complicated relationship between Alan and the opposite gender. Um, yeah, there's pl- there'll be plenty of something from Alan about gyms, gym instructors, people that go to gyms, etc. There'll be something on that. Yeah. I mean, um, if there's something to do with uh, sport, you might... Uh, he was a sports commentator. He was a sports commentator, <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Renowned horse... Um, <laughs> oh, and, a, lady, well, a lady lollipop, and yeah. w- and when Alan is a sports reporter in the on the hour years, he is obsessed with groin strain and groin injury as well, yeah. isn't he? So there's something in there as well, yeah. or perhaps some sort of comparison between feet and traction engines. Work that in. <laughs> yeah, you've got all the football ones as well. Striker, um, and oh, is there anything with like all the meteor video when they're talking about water sports and stuff like that? If you want to go down that route, perhaps as well, um, I would maybe open that up to other listeners. If you've yeah. got any good PhD suggestions, then uh, send them. Sex people, you're just saying sex people. Don't rub your fanny on me. Yeah. So I just quite, touched it. If, if you do have suggestions for his PhD, then it's uh, thepartridgepod at gmail.com or at thepartridgepod on Twitter. Uh, there is actually a, a PS or a postscript. He says, I just wondered if you have ever considered the way Alan shields Lynn from the sex festival um, when he tells Lynn to sit there, sit there and away from Dan and Kerry. I thought it showed a protective side to Alan that we rarely see. Interesting to hear your thoughts. So. I don't think he is. I think he's pushing her away from yeah, I mean, from I'm, interacting with Dan, which is what he wants to do. Yeah, he's, he's, he is... He is trying to seat her away from the sex festival. Yeah, I, th- I think he's right. He's trying to protect her from not getting drawn into. Yeah, but it's I, a bit I, like Denton Abbey. It's it's not it's not uh, an homage or a tribute to Simon Denton in the same way. That this isn't him actually protecting Lynn. It's yeah, just yeah. an instinctive get away from these people. He's yeah. not actually putting her first. If he is so you don't you her, don't think he's trying to get her away from them because they're sex people? Well, no, I, think, I, th- I think he is, but he, he, he's doing it for his own good. Yeah, that's it, what I'm saying. If, if she if she ends up in a long conversation with the sex people, it's harder for him to get away. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, he. Basically basically wants to sort a kitchen and he needs Lynn to come with him while he goes away from Dan to but sort out the kitchen. But don't you think by this point he wants to get out of there as well? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So he's putting himself first, but he needs Lynn to come with him because Lynn came over with kitchen brochures to help sort the kitchen with Dan, the kitchen man. <laughs> well, I, I, I think he's trying to protect Lynn and I think it's a very rare moment where he's actually looking out for her as well as himself. Well, I disagree, let, he'd go to Legoland. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bye. We can, put it to, uh, we can put it to Dan Moody himself, Stephen Mangan, at the London Live show coming up in a future episode. Although it was 25 years ago, so he may not have an opinion. <laughs> and also, there's an argument that we're going too deep into it. <laughs> no, that could be our opening question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before we start, yeah. cast your mind back 25 years, what's Lynn's motivation and Alan's here? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Thanks, Nick. Uh, next up, we have an email from Sam Musgin Rowe, who says, Hello, fo- fellow fops. Long-time listener, first-time emailer. No idea why I've not thought to get in touch sooner. However, I have some Alan-based insight slash literature that may be of interest to the pod. 
I'm a writer and was working at Loaded when Mid-Morning Matters was first released by Fosters. I remember it well because we managed to convince Steve Coogan, as Alan, to guest edit the magazine and even grace the cover, cupping a glamour model's chest. Brackets, memory glands. A different time, perhaps, there. I don't think we could do that now. Yeah. The, the end of an era. Does, yeah. loaded, does loaded even exist no. anymore? Is and it gone? It hasn't for some time. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, that tells yeah. you. See, uh, FHM, Maxim, Arena, Zoo, Nuts. <laughs> All of them. All of the same magazines now yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yep. Lovely stuff. Best Sam. Thanks for that email. Sam's quite interesting. Esquire is still going. Yep, okay. And GQ? Uh, yes. Men and Motors. Uh, that's that's <laughs> a TV, TV show. <laughs> Topless uh, starts. We've moved on. <laughs> uh, yes, thanks for that, Sam. It's quite interesting. I guess that was obviously part of the marketing and promotional um, campaign. Yeah, for I the mean, show. I think we did talk about how Coogan almost wanted people to kind of discover mid morning matters almost organically, but mm. then he's doing something like that. That's very much a big piece of promotion. It's a canny move on Coogan's part to basically. Allegedly. Allegedly. That's not what I was going to say. No, well, no, that's what Sam said. I was going to say it. Uh, it's a canny bit, a canny bit of marketing. That, uh, the only, the only print exposure he's given it is on a magazine, literally on its last legs. <laughs> Although, actually, I think in the research for this, I found out that he also get ed- guest edited shortlist get as edited. well. Uh, get edited. He guest edited. Easy for me to say. Shortlist as well. Uh, yes, because I think we talked about there. There's an article when he talks about Norwich Hots, Norwich Hotspots. Easy for you to say. Because he talks not... about the Boxley Wheat Sheep in that. Yeah. Did he not edit it as part of the promotion for Alpha Papa? I don't know if it was for Alpha Papa. I feel like it might have been because otherwise it's a bit. Yeah. You know, on its own. Well, there we there. go. I, I think I could have a look, but can't be bothered. I think that's why they did it. Okay. Uh, next up, we had a tweet from at uh, McCafferty21. It says, uh, Be good to have a call in section to the podcast. A pre selected Pod Partridge fan gets to have their say on the week's episode and engage in some great banter with you guys. Good idea, or am I on an E or something? <laughs> Uh, mm. I think um, it could uh, be a bit like the real callers to Alan's radio show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Go very badly. Possibly kind of likes it that we would, you know, yeah. get to, you know, call people up. We did sort of try it with the Facebook Live thing, but you know. And remember, we have had a caller before in one of our first episodes. We had mm, Max, true. who was a who was born and raised in Norwich. Give us some uh, Norwich-based intel. Well, we are toying with uh, the format that we're going to cover this time uh, in the new Partridge show when it comes uh, towards the end of this year or the start of next year, as we now know it's likely to be. Um, so maybe we could uh, throw a caller in. Let's see how we go. Yeah, let's let's have a think about a way that we could um, maybe if there's a way that people can leave messages or something yeah. like that, and then we can select the best. We could have a Partridge WhatsApp. No, that would probably that would spiral out of control if we had a WhatsApp group. It's it? already bad enough with ours. True. But let's <laughs> so what it. you're saying is you want us to read out your mobile number and people could just add you. Oh, so that's O double seven. Another listener question here uh, on the subject of time travel from uh, Matt Andrews. Uh, Matt says, if Alan had to go back in time to any historical era, which do you think he'd choose? Um, and I'll actually tell you, Matt did uh, then tweet us again about two weeks later saying, I've thought about this and think that Alan being a known gemble, he'd surely like to go back to the Middle Ages and attempt to become a knight. Which I think he's kind of answered his own question there. But any other thoughts on Alan going back to any historical era of his choosing? I think he'd stay in Britain. Where, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah. The and safety I, of Britain. And I am. <laughs> I imagine he'd be looking at somewhere between the the sixteen and nineteen hundreds. I've got Tudors for some reason in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking he goes to Tudor. Times. I can imagine Alan in a rough. Yeah, 
I think he, you know, the, the style, the attitudes to women and people <laughs> would, would, suit, would suit him. He'd probably thrive better than he does in uh, 2018. He could uh, be a town crier. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, what is the equivalent of a broadcaster in those day and age? Yeah, day and I think age? a town crier yeah, in yeah. Tudor times, that, that suits him. With psychic Simon as a jester. Yes. I'm liking this, <laughs> Adam. It. I'm liking this a lot. Nailed it. There we go. Um, we now have a message from Scott Birch, and he asks, what songs would Alan pick to have been played at his funeral? The theme tune to Black Beauty, obviously. Then Nobody Does It Better from The Spy Who Loved Me. So I, those are Scott's suggestions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, on a sort of Bond tip, I would throw in A View to a Kill by Duran Duran, That's which good. to me is one of the best Bond songs. I would okay. be surprised if he recorded his own funeral song. Uh, <laughs> a jingle. Re- yeah, like, recorded some back, sort of back, cover. Back announcing his coffin going through to the yeah, cremation. Yeah. He, would, he would commentate his own funeral, wouldn't he? He'd yeah. recorded a special half-hour radio show, tribute to himself. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah he absolutely He's put it out to sponsors as well, hasn't he? Like, there's a sponsorship option if someone's yeah. prepared to pay for it. Also, it sounds like from, from, what, he, from what Scott's asked here, he said what songs would Alan pick to have played at his funeral. I yeah. presume he's talking about Alan's funeral from the choices. Not but, Scott's. Uh, but <laughs> if, if Alan did have to pick uh, David Cassidy... What would be played at David Cassie's funeral? Probably the best of the Partridge family, right? Yeah. <laughs> or Sail Away by Enya. <laughs> also very good. I was going to suggest a, a minute silence for David Cassie, but as we all know, dead air is a crime. Oh, oh very good. I think he'd go for the winner takes it all. I think he'd he'd go he'd want to go out on a high like he was the real winner, even though he's actually dead. And now I'm going to cover a section of the feedback, which is quite substantial. Um, we've called it <laughs> Books Balls Ups, and it's basically a summary uh, of all the listeners that mentioned exactly the same thing. So we've got messages, or oh, sorry, we've had messages from Chris Payne, Tom Smith, Martin Connor, Simi Simcoe, and Donna Tart. Is there any more on the other side? No. Donna just, Tart? That says, that says, <laughs> Donna that says <laughs> Dean Tonner. Dean Tonner. <laughs> sorry, Dean Tonner. We've, Donna we've, Tart's an author. Not right, the, author okay. I'll do so that again. The, the author of The Secret History hasn't yeah, yeah. emailed us, sadly. No, I'm not sure that she listened. I've got no idea why I said that. Anyway, um, yeah, so all those people emailed in or messaged us. Uh, basically, in one of the uh, episodes of Mid Morning Matters, we discussed, has Alan ever finished a book? Um, we all agreed that no, he hadn't. Um, and actually, it was pointed out by all those people that I've just read out that he has, of course, read Bravo Two Zero, which, as we know, improves with every read. So we got that one bang wrong, didn't we? Although I think there is an argument to be made. Has he actually yeah, finished he, it? He is he making it. out like he's finished it? Mm, as we know from episode we're about to cover on tour uh, sometimes he does claim to have read books that he actually hasn't exactly Very good point. and uh, I think in Tom Smith's email here as well he made the interesting point that when he's on uh, the Prayer Wave radio show yes. in Our Man and Partridge series 2 um, they ask if he's read um, the character of Julie Davis whether he's read her book he says the only he says he only read the bit where she says she put drugs up her bum and looked at the pictures in the central spine so it does seem like Alan definitely has form on not finishing books. Mm, so agreed. It yeah. might just be he has a favourite chapter in Bravo T Zero, which keeps improving with every read. And just a couple of bits from those emails. Uh, Simi Simcor called us dwads. Uh, <laughs> fair, fair and point. also uh, said, uh, Fops need to stop getting Alan wrong. So, um, yeah, sorry we about fops. that. <laughs> oh, we're Fops. Okay, yeah, we're Fops. Just checking. We're, we're, we're not AIDS. We're Fops. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, you, you may notice if you're a regular listener that when we do these feedback episodes, we do normally have some balls up sections. And I'm pretty sure there are a few more of those to come <laughs> absolutely uh, Drew Cameron got in touch uh, talking about uh, the fact that we mentioned apparently that Patrick Marber played a train driver in Mission Impossible 2 yes um, he said I rewatched the movie painful as it was oh, it's a bit harsh mm, I think it's quite yeah, good I think the first one's uh, great but to find him but I could not however I do remember that in the original Mission Impossible movie David Schneider aka Tony Hares did indeed play a train driver uh, it may be entirely possible my bored eyes simply missed Marber's fleeting cameo to be honest I think it's more likely that all four of us have got it wrong um, he said perhaps there's a theme of Partridge alums driving trains in Mission Impossible 
Impossible movies. I look forward to seeing friend of the show Simon Greenall appearing in the upcoming Mission Impossible <laughs> 6. Obviously, that film has been gone, sadly, without a Simon Greenall cameo. But I was thinking, wouldn't it be amazing if just for once there was a Mission Impossible film where instead of Tom Cruise pulling all these stunts off, it was just Simon Greenall jumping off cliffs going, oh, shit. <laughs> would, watch. Would, watch. would watch. So I think we can get to the bottom of this. It's actually, it's listed incorrectly on IMDb, isn't it? I think that's where we got the information definitely from got it from IMD- Definitely yeah. got it from IMDb. Always happy to hear that in in actual fact it's not our fault, it's someone else's. So. Yeah. yeah, thanks Amazon. <laughs> if that uh, is your real name. Yeah. Just talk amongst yourselves, I'm going to double check that information. Okay, so uh, while Tom looks it up, what is the best Mission Impossible film? Ooh. I really, really liked the recent one. I, I loved it. it. Can I, it was can I just shock you? I've only seen Mission Impossible 1. What? Oh. Be real? I've got better things to do in my time. Unbelievable. Uh, one is brilliant. And apart, to be honest, apart from two, they're all largely good. Jed, what's your favourite Mission Impossible film? Uh, the most recent one, of course. Yeah, correct. Ghost uh, Fallout. That was too many words. <laughs> I was looking for a number. Ghost Balls Ups. Yeah. Um, I've checked IMDb and in uh, Patrick Marber is credited as... Uh, actually, well, he says he's credited on here. Mission Impossible Two. Uh, the role was train driver and brackets uncredited. So. Um, is that where the error is though? Because this is Mission Impossible One. That's what I'm saying. I think this, I'm pretty sure this is an error unless you really have Patrick Marber in one film and David Schneider in another. Well, David Schneider is 100 percent in Mission Impossible. Yes, I know. He is. I know. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm not denying that. I mean, Stop denying in, in, it. In Drew's email, he literally sent us a screenshot to prove it. So, so I wonder whether the Marber thing is an incorrect uh, attribution. There's only one way to sort this out. We're cancelling the Bristol show tonight and we're going to watch, watch Mission <laughs> Impossible 2. <laughs> I thought you were going to say call Matt Patrick Marber, but no, that's, that seems easy. Call Cliff Thorburn. <laughs> now it's time for a, uh, another email uh, from Rachel Sylvester. Rachel says, hello, Tom, Tom, Nick, and Adam, and then brackets, and Jed. And, and Jed. Jed. Spelt with, spelt Jed with a G. is spelt wrong. Um, you can spell it like that, but that's not how our Jed spells it. So, um, <laughs> our Jed. Our Jed. Spelt J-E-Z. <laughs> Lovely Jez. Um, so I'll just read Rachel's email. Um, I thought I would write to you all to say how much I love slash enjoy your Partridge podcast. A friend told me about you a while back, and I must have... I just said, well, <laughs> love and then sort of slash enjoy. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's close to really like and tolerate. Yeah, <laughs> one of the two. Uh, I must have listened to your podcast three times over. Another one of my interests and obsessions, apart from Alan, is true crime. Brackets, don't worry, I myself are not a serial killer, grammatically. Or, or a good speller. Yep. And <laughs> no, 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 some... that, that's grammar, Adam, to yep, be fair. Grammar, that's grammar, grammar. Sure. <laughs> or a pedant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes I listen and watch too many serial killer slash murderous podcasts and TV shows to the point of having night terrors. One particular day, I was quite disturbed and listened to your podcast to calm my nerves. Eight full hours of monkey tennis, brackets, <laughs> particularly the one on Knowing Me Knowing You, where Nick loses it over the bad comedian. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't regret a thing. That cheeky monkey, yeah, Max yeah. Beasley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made me. Joe forget. Beasley. Uh, Joe Beasley. In short, uh, Rachel uh, finishes. In short, this email wasn't meant to be as weird as it might seem. I just wanted to say I love you. Uh, I love you all and your podcast, and thank you for calming my nerves with the love of Alan that you share. I was hoping to come and see you live in Manchester, but I'll be on holiday in Greece, sadly. So catch you next time. I mean, if I'd finished watching hours of murderous podcasts, <laughs> are you about by to the, insult by, our listeners? By again, the way, Adam? a podcast can't murder people, but still, uh, and TV shows. <laughs> The last I don't thing know, I'd, maybe it can. The last thing I'd want is eight full hours of monkey tennis. Surely that's enough to send you off the edge. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've recorded it for eight hours, so I can tell you what that's like. <laughs> yeah, it's bloody awful. <laughs> Estelle Coombs has written to us and says, Hey guys, did you ever watch the live show, which was called something like Steve Coogan as AP and other less successful characters? Uh, did I see that with you? Yes, you did. That's Tom Dark. Yep. And Adam? No, I was not there. Okay, probably not invited. I went, and I went to go see. <laughs> I went to go see in Oxford with my friend Chris. Oh. I don't think I even knew Tom Stab in those days. Oh wow! A a different time. Time. Yeah. Better days. <laughs> Better days. 
So, um, yes, we have seen that. That's what we're saying, Estelle. Yeah, Estelle goes on to say, uh, the other characters uh, were the first half, and I thought they were pretty sad. So that's Steve's other characters in the first half, yep. and then Alan very much in the second half. So the second act was Alan presenting Forward Solutions, which was pretty much the only funny part of the show. Ooh, sorry, Steve. Needless to say, Alan had the last laugh when he entered the stage with his aha, and the microphone cut out, so we couldn't actually hear it. That must have been so annoying for Coogan. Absolutely, that's his yeah. entrance moment and silence. Was this whole section sponsored by Whiskers? <laughs> this brings us to the final section of the show um, it was a play about Cardinal Wolseley oh, or maybe yeah. Henry VIII I honestly can't remember I mean I can't remember either neither can I and she goes on to say as I'd zoned out so on the stage I. dreaming of Alan dancing around with codes <laughs> <laughs> um, the show was dreadful and certainly did not <laughs> certainly did not help Alan bounce back anyway that's where Forward Solutions came from and I genuinely hope you didn't see it like it live like I did um, well uh, Estelle we did well Tom and I did yeah uh, and I, I think I kind of agree I think <laughs> sorry Andrew you did tell us that not a minute ago <laughs> you weren't with you. us though it yeah matter. but you weren't there uh, I mean I'd agree with Estelle I think the, the first bit with the other characters was not great although yes. the Pauline Calf bit was great so that's where she's reading her spy thriller gonna say, which, give, ha- which has the line the immortal line and at that point she shat herself <laughs> that was gold given that I didn't see this show is Estelle's savaging of, of, of the, the show fair it's not great well, think, but, but basically the, the Alan bit was by far the best bit and that was the second half so that's basically what everybody was waiting for and I did think the Alan bit was good yeah, the four solutions yeah, bit was very funny yeah. so yeah uh, we're agreeing so uh, we're all dog lovers around the table so we're going to come on to some dog well, er- oh ambivalent Adam I'll, I'll do you, you animal <laughs> well not he animal doesn't, lover he doesn't like them yeah, yeah. so anyway we've had some feedback on uh, on dog errors so uh, I mean si- we could have called this dog balls up but I thought that looked a bit wrong so. mm, sounds a bit wrong yep. as well doesn't it at Simon Dweck has got in touch and says podcast error re-dog love <laughs> <laughs> my favourite five opening words of any tweet <laughs> Uh, you say Alan had no dogs between childhood and seldom. He and Carol had Mon- Montgomery, as discussed with Daniela Forrest. So, yeah, that is a bit of a balls up, isn't it? He did, he yeah. did have a dog. Mm, keep going. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he's not the well, only one that's pointed that out. I think basically out. quite a few people are pointing yeah. this out. Yeah. Yeah, but um, not even just that dog. <laughs> In our defence, I'd like to say we were briefly mindless, because, of course, we know, we know the dog section. We recorded episodes about know me knowing you and also uh, he even had the Victorian dog section as well yeah. so we, I think it's just that at the point of recording we just temporarily all forgot the same information yeah. we are getting to the point now where we're trying to maintain over 20 years of Alan history between us how did the Kibbins brothers do it yeah. get I mean, paid <laughs> I mean it might surprise you we're not experts yeah uh, Malcolm mm, speak for yourself well, no we're not are we <laughs> blatantly obvious looking at all these errors um, Malcolm Rob got in touch and said did he not also have an imaginary dog called Rob Yes, yes, yes Malcolm, that's correct. Important yeah. point, imaginary dogs are not dogs. <laughs> Continue. You've got him there. Simon got in touch again, uh, saying, not sure why I consider dog expert to have sexual connotations like Keith Lard in Phoenix Nights. Yeah, I think there was some kind of Twitter back and forth here about that character as well. I mm. can't quite remember. It's quite a while ago. Uh, Barney got in touch as well. Re Allen having a dog. Doesn't he mention a dog to Daniela Forrest at some point? Yes, yes, yes he does. <laughs> yep. uh, Freya also got in touch. Boys, oh, I like this, stern. In terms of the Allen dog timeline, don't forget, Rommel from Dun- from Daniela Forrest I episode believe we've Wap. established yeah. that <laughs> also and it is worth mentioning that basically Rommel is the fictional version of Montgomery so they are technically the same dog if anything yeah. okay. if we're being pedants which we are and finally Michael Brennan on Facebook got in touch saying good feedback episode read the dog issue Alan did have a dog whilst married to Carol name Montgomery he is referenced when talking to Dan the man Forrest so basically all these people have got in touch and said we've got absolute dog balls ups 
We've got dog balls up. <laughs> uh, moving from dog error to dog theory, Dan Chasemore got in touch on Facebook and said, hey there, I have a dog theory. That's handy because we're in a section called dog theory. Uh, dogs are actually very important to Alan, revealing a deep part of his psyche that's never be- he's never been able to deal with friends and family being taken away from him. Alan had a dog in 94 while he was still married to Carol in uh, in Know Me Knowing You. We, uh, we obviously just covered Daniela Forrest and uh, his dog that's Montgomery. Um, this dog seems pretty old because he's blind in one eye and can't control his bladder. So I'm guessing that Alan had him for a while. Dogs live about 11 11 or 12 years I'm enjoying this deep dive Dan well done <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is a fantastic email Dan dog, Dan's a fantastic 11 man. or 12 years so it's reasonable to assume that Carol and Alan had this family dog for all or most of their marriage and it's only a few weeks after this confession that Carol leaves him taking the house I wouldn't have thought Linton Travel to haven't allowed dogs be real so that means that Carol not only took Alan's marriage his house and his kids away from him she also took his dog his best friend Montgomery Aww. years later when he's in a trusting stable relationship with Angela he finds himself again in a situation where everything is falling apart spoiler alert uh, Angela leaves him spoiler alert uh, presumably <laughs> with the kids but what does he cling on to right until the end so the police have to be called in order to take it back the dog just thought I'd point that out because I'm a massive partridge nerd yes you are and a uh, great point um, yeah and uh, I think he also attached a screenshot from a Mid Morning Matter series 2 here of Alan kind of handing over Freddy the dog Freddy, to the policeman a genuinely well. moving moment sorry do you want to cover oh yeah sure the, the, the way that he's explained this is uh, is really great he says uh, as, as Freddy the dog in Mid Morning Matter series 2 is taken away he says and then he was gone forever like Montgomery like Carol like the bullet fired from that gun in the final episode of Know Me Knowing You. Everyone leaves Alan, with the inclusion of Michael, who dies. That is a brilliant email. Yeah, that is fantastic. fantastic. Oh, I'm tearing up here. Thank you for the feedback on the feedback. Before we eat our own tails and go all meta, remember you can get in touch with us. It's thepartridgepod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at The Partridge Pod, and it's Twitter at The Partridge Pod. Please email us, get in touch, Twitter us, phone us. Twitter us. Yeah. <laughs> You've also missed Instagram. <laughs> oh, all that, all that good stuff. We're everywhere. Instagram's at Come find us, join us. Thank you, goodbye. Gotta go. Bye. Monkey tennis? This is great banter. Monkey tennis? Radical. Awesome. Mega. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm spinning plates here, mate, I'll be honest. Monkey tennis? There have been times when I've been more... Uh, rubbery than turgid. Monkey tennis? Tits bits. Tit, tit bits. Uh, yes, 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 and yes. It's just an idiom. You're an idiot. Ooh, that's mustard. Monkey tennis? Sustaining and maintaining our core listenership in an increasingly fragmented marketplace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 